Hi, John. Hey, how's it going? It's going. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Crime and Wine. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining. <laughs> do you want? Uh, do you want to tell people who you are and how we know each other? Sure. So I've known you most of my life. Um, I am your brother. Um, what do you mean most of your life? <laughs> well, I don't think you remember stuff when you're like one or two. But um, yes. <laughs> and I like true crime. So I reached out to you to be on the show. <laughs> Thanks for reaching out. <laughs> um, what else? Like, tell us where you where you live, about your life. What do you do? Sure. So I live in New York City. Uh, My roommate is my twin brother, um, who's also your brother. (laughs) And and also right now I'm recording from my girlfriend's apartment. Um, I'm sitting next to her dog and she's still sleeping. It's noon. Oh, Um, my God. (laughs) She sleeps late. And um, in work, I technically work in advertising but i did attempt to put in my two weeks notice on friday and they told me don't do that just yet so we'll see what happens there wait work said don't do that just yet yeah i i don't like what i'm doing and like our team's falling apart so i said like do you guys need a fall guy because i'll be the fall guy and put in my two (laughs) weeks and and they were like no look everyone understands this like this account is messy and things are falling apart like we'll take this we'll take the l's as a team rather than you just sacrificing yourself and i was oh. like okay but i am looking for a new job so that's why i didn't mind trying to quit um what are you gonna wait oh yeah i think alex told me that you're looking for a new job and what doing what though uh similar stuff so like advertising but more in the sports field maybe sponsorships um just because it's obviously easier for me if it's sports related to like care about it but also yeah. because like the stuff I do is like nobody I don't see it type of thing you know it's Verizon ads on the computer and oh, like yeah. you, you don't know how it does and like uh, you know like it was funny I was talking to Alex about this yesterday that like you know like you don't get since leaving college you don't really get graded on anything anymore and Alex's I was like, I w- girlfriend and I was like I just want to see uh I want to like not be graded but like be able to follow my work for a change because for like six years now, I don't I, like this stuff could be wrong all the time. Hey, I would never know, but I still get paid. Well, that's a good part of it, I guess. <laughs> yes. Is Joey going to start howling in the middle of the episode? Uh, he might, but only if someone knocks on the door. He's sleeping right next to me uh, right now. And um, he really only howls if somebody knocks or if somebody walks in the hallway. So hopefully not. But Gary's sleeping I, next to me, too. Oh, Gary. Gary, um, did did mom tell you that I got a tattoo for Gary? No, she did not. I thought I saw you text maybe in the family chat that you were getting a tattoo. Oh yeah, I did it. But... It's on my arm. It says Gary. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it better that his name's Gary because <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you got a tattoo of an old man. To yeah, your arm. Ex- exactly. Um, somebody. Oh, I was I I had my first like working day again and I was back on set uh last week and the director was like um who's Gary and I was like well, I couldn't really hear cuz everyone has their mask on. And I was like, "Oh, it's my dog." And they all started laughing and they were like, "You should just say like, "Oh, it's a guy I met last week." <laughs> <laughs> so I think I'm going to start telling people that to strangers that ask me 
who my tattoo is for when I, if it ever gets warm here if i ever wear t-shirts is it has it been cold um like uh yes and no like it's really sunny but it's very windy it's the wind is not forgiving oh mom told me oh wait never mind hmm? nothing 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 spoilers think, uh yeah sorry Oh, okay. I don't know what you know, what mom tells who, and I don't know. I'll ask mom later. <laughs> Maybe when she listens to this, she'll see how you did. <laughs> I don't know. She's two episodes behind. Her and dad. She yeah, she was like, oh, dad and I went on a walk and I forgot to listen. Um, Alex listens to every episode, like right right when it's released and she tells me. I know. So. She's, she's great. Um <laughs> Yeah, because I did one with Courtney. Mom, like, listened to the bit with Courtney, and then she hasn't listened to my one last week with Kayla. And then, I mean, she'll probably hurry up because, you know, she'll be like, oh, two of my kids are, <laughs> are on the phone. She listens. She'll probably, she probably will start crying. <laughs> um, do you guys got vac- uh, vaccinated, right? Uh, so I got my first shot, like, two weeks ago. So I have to wait another two weeks uh the 6th of may for my last shot alex is 100 percent vaccinated mike is also on may 6th with me so we'll be done happy by... birthday <laughs> yeah exactly um yeah i think well it's so like i got pfizer so normally it's three weeks but uh i got mine through walgreens and they staggered it for a fourth week just so that they could give more vaccines away so okay. it's just an extra week so i can't really complain yeah you know? i don't know we don't know when we're getting here i think they're still at 45 and up i mean yeah Jeez. Yeah. yeah, but it, but in Germany and I think the Netherlands, they've stopped vaccinations altogether. Like no, because the getting. the AstraZeneca stuff. Um, is it AstraZeneca or is it jo- Johnson and Johnson? I don't know. Or yeah. Johnson and Johnson only in the U.S. I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure either. I know. I can't. I can't follow <laughs> anyway. Um. All right. Well, should we get into the true crime? Sure. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Uh, you can start. You're the, the host, so I'll be the good guest, I guess. Oh, right. Oh, should I say, I didn't even say your your name is Jonathan. <laughs> You're Jonathan. Oh, <laughs> yes. Okay, that's my little brother, John. Um, okay, so I am going to do the disappearance of Lauren Spearer. I don't know if you remember this. Uh, I don't i might i just might not remember her name right i mean the story apparently there's like six hundred thousand women who go missing a year so it's really hard to keep track but uh, most of them get found but there's a lot that obviously don't and then you know some who are recovered like their bodies are recovered but um they uh can't identify who who the body belongs to yeah. Okay. So Lauren Spear was born January 17th, 1991, and she grew up in Scarsdale, New York in Westchester. Oh, so local. Yeah. So she was our neighbor, like all of our life. Are you... So yeah, she's, she grew up in Scarsdale, New York in Westchester County, which um, Scarsdale is a really affluent neighborhood as we know. It's like where like Bill Clinton lives and right. Or they're like Mount Kisco, Scarsdale. Like they're, they're Chappaqua, which is the same area. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's like Scarsdale, Chappaqua, Mount Kisco, Katona, 
those are all like the really, really rich areas in Westchester County. There's a lot of celebrities um, and just, yeah, really rich area. So um, in 2009, she enrolled at Indiana University where she was studying textile merchandising. Um, she was active in the Jewish community and she had spent the previous spring break planting trees in Israel on behalf of the Jewish National Fund, which oh. is quite different from my spring breaks that in Florida. I don't know why four years in a row in college went to Florida. Our favorite state in the country. <laughs> yeah, which our sister lives in. and We don't know why. No, but uh, I think she's trying to get out. So that's good. <laughs> she is. She is trying to get out, but that's just because she like wants to be. The, she wants to be more of the favorite child. Oh, I think she already is the favorite child. Like, yeah. me yeah. and Mike are interchangeable in the middle, and then unfortunately, you're probably towards the bottom. Why but... does everyone say that I'm the bottom? <laughs> hey, someone has to be. <laughs> I'm the firstborn. I know. You you had that you had the head start, and then you know, unfortunately, with twins coming in, you kind of lost your thunder. No, I didn't. Mom and Dad uh, are coming to see me in June. I heard. I yeah heard. so that's nice whatever um <laughs> Haley is the favorite though yes i would say that michael's next thank you uh let's see it's not you <laughs> no it's not you know and and that's that's fine for me i want to be under the radar okay sure you, <laughs> you just like to be a martyr <laughs> that too i always um, say every, everyone hates john <laughs> yeah and no one disagrees with that <laughs> So, okay, so she's over in Israel planting trees, and I was, like, drunk on a beach. Um, Years earlier when she, uh, I don't know how many years earlier, but in Honesdale, Pennsylvania, which I don't know where that is, um, she was attending Camp Towanda, which is kind of a thing that, uh, like, kids in the, well, I don't know if it's a countrywide thing, it probably is, but, like, the um, East Coast, I feel like a lot of kids, myself included, go to sleepaway camp. Um, yes. And, yeah. So there she meets her boyfriend, Jesse Wolf, and another guy who is her friend named Jay Rosebaum. So remember their names, Jesse Wolf and Jay Rosebaum. Jay Rosebaum, okay. Yeah. So on the night of her disappearance, um, two years after she's enrolled in college, it is June 3rd, 2011, and she is 20 years old. And she is seen drinking with several friends at Kilroy's Sports Bar in Bloomington, Indiana. Is that, that must be where Indiana University is. Yeah, that's where the university is, yeah. And I looked up Honesdale. It's kind of by Scranton. By Scranton? Yeah. Oh, okay. Thank you for the geography. (laughs) Um, So her boyfriend, um, Wolf, his name is Jesse Wolf, but we're going to call him Wolf, Um, stated that he did not go out with her and her friends that evening, um, but he was texting back and forth with her before he went to bed. And according to witnesses, oh my God, mom is trying to get us, (laughs) mom is trying to get us on a FaceTime FaceTime. call I just saw that, yeah. Uh, Oh, there, it's on your, uh, just to, just. I'll text her, I'll text her. Yeah, reply back to mom right now that we're in the middle of the podcast. Um, (laughs) she's trying to do sorry everyone she our mom's trying to do this every every sunday uh thing where she gets all of us kids on facetime and her and dad just sit there and they're like how are you (laughs) 
Uh, we, I don't think we've had everybody on yet at once. But. No, Mike said that he couldn't get on last week. Yeah, I think he hasn't updated his software on his phone in like years. So technically he doesn't have group FaceTime. <laughs> oh, no, wait, no, he does. He does. He updated it because I FaceTimed with him after basketball games. Bored. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so her boyfriend, Wolf, is stating that he didn't go out with her, her friends. He is texting her back and forth, blah, blah, blah. Um, and according to witnesses, she was very intoxicated. And the Bloomington police used video. Um, <clears throat> the Bloomington police used video surveillance footage and witness statements to create a timeline of her whereabouts before her disappearance. So I'm gonna read you through the timeline okay. of what um, what they think happened. So at 12.30 a.m., witnesses report that Spearer left her apartment with a friend named David Roan. The pair went to Jay Rosenbaum's apartment, and she met up with Corey Rossman, who is Rosenbaum's neighbor. Okay. I remember when you're in college, I don't know, but like 12.30 a.m. is like normal to leave and go out, which is... Yes. Oh, sorry. I was going to say I used to go running around that time. Um, Yep. Only a man could say that. Oh, yeah. I in the never. dark. <laughs> Even that's stupid for a guy to do, I think. Yes. I kind of sometimes got scared by noises I'd hear because I'd run during the summer when campus was kind of empty-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, you know, it's a huge campus. Um, so there would be times where it was a little sketchy. So I just ran a little faster. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so stupid, honestly. It's white male privilege. but <laughs> Yeah, that's what you are. So... <laughs> So, yeah, but I remember going out at, like, after midnight or something or, like, 1130, which now I'm – I was home by 10 p.m. the other night. We went out. We had a reservation at 9, and we left at 10, and we were like, all right, well, that was nice. (laughs) Flate. Got me home. We were. We were like, it's time to go back home. So that's at 1230. So then at 146 a.m., Spear is seen entering Kilroy Sports Bar. Okay. And then – about 45 minutes later at 2.27 a.m., and this is all seen on the footage, um, uh, Spear is seen exiting the bar with Rossman, the, the friend. Um, Spear left her cell phone and shoes at the bar. Okay, She had taken off her shoes when she walked out onto the sand-covered patio, and Rossman walked with Spear to her apartment complex. This is all all seen on footage, okay? Mm 2.30 a.m., Spear is seen entering Smallwood Plaza Apartments where her residence is located. A passerby named Zach Oaks noticed her level of inebriation and asked if she was okay. 18 minutes later, at 2.48 a.m., she leaves the apartments and enters an alley that runs between College Avenue and Morton Street. Security cameras mounted on nearby apartments show her exit the alley three minutes later at 2.51 a.m. and walk toward an empty lot. Her keys and purse are found along the route um, through the alley. Spearer and Rossman arrive at Rossman's apartment shortly afterwards where Michael Beth, Rossman's roommate, was at the apartment. Rossman himself was very intoxicated and stumbling. He vomited on the carpet on the way upstairs um, Beth stated that he escorted Rossman to bed and then tried to persuade Spear to sleep over for her own safety. 
He claimed Spear said she wanted to return to her own apartment. 3.30 a.m., Beth said that he phoned his neighbor, Rosenbaum, wanting to take care of Spearer. Beth said that Spearer was attempting to get Beth to drink with her at her own apartment, but she eventually goes to Rosenbaum's apartment, the neighbor, um, where he observed a bruise under her eye, presumably sustained in a fall earlier that evening. Um, And she said that she didn't know where she got the bruise. And then two calls were placed from Rosenbaum's phone shortly before she is reported to have left. Um, Rosenbaum said that Spear placed both of the calls, one to um, David Roan, who is the friend that she went to the bar in the first place with, and one to another friend. Neither of the calls were picked up and no messages were left. Then Rosenbaum reports that Spear left the apartment at 4.30 a.m., which is seen on video camera. This is the last reported sighting of her, and he reported last seeing Spear at the intersection of 11th Street and College Avenue, headed south on college. Um, She was last seen barefoot, wearing black leggings and a white shirt. Several hours later that morning, Wolf, who is her boyfriend, sends Spear a text And he received a reply from an employee at the bar because, remember, she left her phone at the bar. Yes. And that's when Wolf reports Spearer missing. Okay. So she's missing now. So this is um, June 3rd. Okay. Fast forward to August. The police conduct a nine-day search of the Sycamore Ridge landfill for clues of her disappearance. Um, The search consists of the Bloomington Police Department, the Indiana University Police Department, and the FBI. But they don't don't find anything. And then as of May 24th, 2013, investigators had received 3,060 tips on her disappearance. Um, 3,060? Yeah. And what's weird is that 100 of them were received during the first half of 2013. So I guess basically 3,000 during the second half of 2013. Hmm. Um, in April 2015, so now this is, you know, four years later, the Bloomington police announced that they were investigating a possible link between her disappearance and the murder of another IU student named Hannah Wilson. Wilson went missing on April 24th, 2015, after visiting Kilroy's, the same bar that Spear visited the night she disappeared. Wilson was last seen getting into a taxi in front of the bar and driving away. And sadly, her body was found the next morning in Brown County, which I guess is a neighboring county. Um, A local man named Daniel Messel was arrested for the murder after his cell phone was discovered near the body. Oh, you can't do that. (laughs) Definitely can't leave your cell phone next to the body. No. No. And in July of 2015, it was concluded that both cases were unrelated and any similarities between them were just coincidental, which is sucks. Yeah. Um, On January 28th, 2016, so nearly like almost a year later, The FBI and other police agencies investigated a property in the 2900 block of Old Morgantown Road in Martinsville, which is approximately 20 miles north of Bloomington. Um, According to a statement released by the FBI, investigators were following up on leads and tips in Morgan County regarding the disappearance of Lauren Spearer. Um, The property was connected to a man named Justin Wagers, 
who resided there with his mother and stepfather. But never a good sign if a grown man is living with his parents. Um, He was uh, suspect, Wagers is suspected of exposing himself to numerous local women, which led investigators to search the property with cadaver dogs, um, which obviously indicated that there would be potential evidence. Um, The anthropologist conducted a dig and sifted dirt from the barn where the cadaver dogs hit, but they found nothing. Um, The investigators also towed a white truck from the property belonging to Wagers, but again, they found nothing. Um, So at this point, it's 2016. It's five years after Lauren Spears basically goes missing without a trace, and they have nothing. Um, So... Here are the theories that are associated with Lauren Spears' death. So Spears' parents have stated that they believe that their daughter is dead, which is really sad because they, they don't have a body. Um, based on her level of intoxication, they also felt that she may have been drugged while she was at the bar. Um, they said that they felt that somebody could have slipped something into her drink at Kilroy's. And the family has voiced suspicion about the men she was with that evening, as well as her boyfriend, Wolf, since they refused to take police-issued polygraphs, and they got a lawyer as soon as she disappeared. That's pretty sketchy, especially if it's your girlfriend that's missing. Yeah, you would think that, like, you would be doing literally anything. Anything to find her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so while the parents haven't made any specific accusations, they do believe that the two boys, Rosenbaum and Wolf, know more than they have told the police so far. And the two boys responded that they took privately administered polygraphs, as well as one from the FBI, because they don't trust the Bloomington police. Um, and that's why they got lawyers, which I, I kind of understand that. Mm hmm. Because as you look at the police in the United States, like, I mean, they, they're, they're awful. But then again, I think, I mean, actually, I think these are two white. Yeah, white, these, yeah. These, these are two white guys. So they're probably going to be fine if they take. Yeah, they probably didn't have anything to worry about. <laughs> yeah, they don't. Um, so regarding Spears' level of intoxication, uh, intoxication, her friends and Wolf told police that she was using drugs in addition to alcohol on the night leading up to her disappearance. Um, Wolf's mother alleged that Spear was asked to leave the summer camp where she met her son and Rosenbaum years earlier because of drug use. And she said, this poor little girl is not with us today because of her drug abuse. Which, which is like, fuck off like a that's, college student doing drugs is like it's not a reason for you to be dead dead Th- yeah no like somebody did something to her it's just it's like all of that like boys will be boys or like fi- finding like a reason like oh it was this or that it's like victim no. blaming yeah yeah it's victim blaming thank you um on september 2nd 2010 nine months before lauren disappeared she was arrested on charges of public intoxication and illegal consumption. Um, and after her disappearance, police found a small amount of cocaine in her room. But it's like, uh, all right, so this girl clearly liked to party. I don't know who didn't. I don't like I could have been arrested for public intoxication in college. Like there was right. Go on the city, any city street, and you can arrest anybody you want for public intoxication. Yeah, I mean, it's just like every single person's doing is was drunk. I was, 
drunk like a lot. <laughs> I was drunk <laughs> most weekends and publicly. And there were definitely times that I walked home alone and thankfully nothing happened to me. But definitely if I, if something did, there's those people out there like Wolf's mom who would be like, well, she shouldn't have been doing that. It's like, no, no, no. Teach your sons then to just yeah. not. So, um, Rosenbaum told investigators that Spear consumed alcohol, snorted cocaine, and crushed up clonopin tablets that evening. Um, and she had a rare heart condition, which is called long QT syndrome, which added to her dangers of drug use. Um, police addressed rumors that implied that Spear may have overdosed and those with her may have hidden her body to avoid criminal charges. But a private investigator hired by the Spear family doubts that a fatal drug overdose could be enough motive to hide her death. He said that the prevalence of the, with the prevalence of drug abuse on the IU campus, he's like, every kid's buying pot, cocaine, drinking pills. He said, it's all over the place. So that really can't be a motive behind it. Definitely. Like if if your friend died of a drug overdose, you wouldn't go hide the body. Right. Right. You would just, yeah, especially like in a college town, like it's, I don't want to say yeah. it's expected, but like, it's not unheard of. So yeah, I don't think that would cause you to hide the body and have it never be found again, especially yeah. if it was like your girlfriend that was dead. So. Yeah. Especially like these are kids, they're 20 years old. So like, how did they hide a body that well? Yeah, that too. Um, um, the other theory is that it's a stranger abduction. Um so the police have acknowledged that they've not ruled out other possibilities such as abduction by, but Spears' parents have previously stated that they don't believe that her disappearance was a random abduction. Um, let's go back to Daniel Messel, who was the man who, um, well, I'll just get into it. Um, in 2017, Brown County prosecutor Ted Adams reported he believed Daniel Messel could be connected to Spears' disappearance. He's the guy that was convicted of killing Hannah Wilson in 2015. The guy, like, she also disappeared from the same bar, Kilroy's bar. Okay. That I spoke about a bit earlier. Um, but Wilson had only been reported missing for one day, and then her body was found in a field. Um, she'd been bludgeoned to death and Messel's cell phone was discovered at her feet. Um, and he's never been charged in connection with Spears case. Um, yeah. So this got, this case got a ton of press coverage, which uh, has led to, and it's been dubbed an example of the missing white woman syndrome, mm-hmm. um, which is a phenomenon where the news media disproportionately covers missing person cases that involve young white upper middle class females. Um, because around the same time of Spears' disappearance, there was another local disappearance of um, Crystal Grubb, who was also white, but came from a working class family um, where a lot of her relatives had criminal histories and she, like, they only ran a few stories on her. Um, Even worse than Crystal Grubb, like, they don't, they really disproportionately cover uh, missing black children. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then um, Spears' parents filed a bunch of civil lawsuits um, against Rossman, Rosenbaum, and Beth for their involvement in their 
with her daughter leading up to her disappearance, saying that they were negligent. They shouldn't have allowed her to drink so much alcohol. She was visibly intoxicated, and then they didn't make sure that she got home safe. Um, but the in 2013, the judge dis- dismissed it. Um, and to date, none of the defendants have been named in- as suspects in her disappearance. And today, her body is has still never been recovered. Jeez. Yeah, so that's the disappearance of Lauren Spearer. Um, There's a ton of TV media about her. Um, It's in a ton of other true crime podcasts as well. Um, Yeah, she's just one of many people whose body's never been recovered. I don't know. What do you think happened to her? I I assume that, I I mean, it sounds like she you know, like raped and killed or something by like a stranger abduction or um, I feel like I, I know the friends or the boyfriend um, didn't talk to the police as much as they probably should have, but I, I don't think they probably did it. I feel like there probably would have been, I mean, you got to remember these are like, you know, 20 year old kids. They probably would have made a mistake or two in, in like a panic in the middle of the night situation too. Um, that's why easier if it's someone not connected at all because why would you be suspected um but yeah it just seems like a case of drunk um possibly on drugs uh didn't know where she was abducted never seen again type of thing that you see all the time sadly yeah yeah like taken Um, advantage of yeah i think if if the if the boyfriend and friend uh, if she accidentally overdosed or died because of her heart condition and on drugs, they would have. And if they went and hid the body, like, I don't know. The, it doesn't, even though the parents think that that's what happened, I think it's probably less likely. It probably was a bad, bad person that saw that saw her and took took her and did God knows what. Yeah. But, you know, there's always the chance somehow that she could be alive like there are those freak cases where people are found 20 years later yeah i don't know it's just really sad it's been almost 10 years now i think it's 10 years this june oh yeah you're right Um, but yeah yeah she's been missing as of now for nine years 10 months and 21 days so she would be Oh, she she would have been turned thirty in January. She's born the same year as you. Yeah, geez. Oof. Yeah. Well, do you want to get on to your happy story? Sure. So I did the dating game killer. Um, who I don't know if you know his story. Rodney Alcala, I believe his name is pronounced. He um, he is famous because he went on the dating game show, um, the show back in the seventies. Oh my God. After he had already killed people, um, oh. which the producers didn't know. And they defended themselves in retrospect being like, he was a good looking guy and we couldn't really do background checks. And he was actually charged with something by the time he was on the show. Um, they obviously discovered more bodies and um, information later. Um, but so this guy was born in the 40s. Um, I guess his father abandoned him and it was, so he lived with his mom uh, and his two sisters. He ended up moving to, I think LA as a kid. Mm. Um, And so the thing about this guy is, is first off, he's another one of those cases where we have no idea how many people he actually killed. I want to say 
they have him on like maybe seven confirmed kills, but like that's you know like that's only the people they've caught in right. a sense. Um, so when he was younger, he actually joined the army um, when he was like seventeen, um, but he was a clerk for the army. They're so, always in the army or something. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing: he was he was discharged because he went AWOL. Mm. Um, he literally hitchhiked from Fort Bragg to his mother's house. Um, uh, Fort Bragg is is that in, in Texas? No, Fort Bragg's in North Carolina. So I don't oh, know right. if that means that he made it back home to LA. But that's, I mean, it was the '60s, so I guess you people were hitchhiking more. But um, <laughs> definitely more than cr- now. I don't think it, <laughs> I don't think it happens now. But like, remember when we you were get kids? killed. Yeah, and we drove through Arizona, and there were signs that were it was like "Do not pick up hitchhikers." And we were driving past like a lone prison. Yes, I was gonna say that's the only signs I ever see now. Like when you're driving through uh, Pennsylvania in the middle of nowhere, they have a couple of those signs. And really? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I think there's a prison somewhere in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania that when I would drive back to school, uh, Michigan State, go green. That um, <laughs> sorry, I had to throw that in there. Jesus. That um, <laughs> I that I would see those signs. You know, you'd really. The only thing I remember about driving to school is in Pennsylvania. There was just Christian rock stations on the radio oh. and you'd be like flipping through the channels trying to find something. And then the song would start and you'd be like, okay, maybe this is just a random, you know, rock song. And then either the words higher or God or praise <laughs> were used. And it was like, all right, change the channel. Uh, so that's the only thing. I, uh, well, I mean, if it was Creed, I'd be listening, but uh, it wasn't. Oh, no, Creed's great. Oh, no. Scott, Scott's death. If you want a crazy story, read about how T.I. saved Scott Stapp's life when he tried to commit suicide. It's a bizarre story. Who's, is that the lead singer of Creed? Yeah, Scott Stapp's the lead singer of Creed, and you know T.I., right? Yeah, of you, course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> of course I know T.I. But T. yeah, he, he's actually, T.I.'s actually talked down multiple people who tried to kill themselves at different times for being in the right place at the right time for him. So He's, he's never talked me down. <laughs> it's a crazy story um so anyway yeah me uh made his way back home he was diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder uh by the military um which uh they which i'm not sure if you know um everything about antisocial personality disorder but it's it sounds a lot like sociopath like you're charming you lie all the time and you disregard right and wrong um you're also very impulsive and you lack empathy. So like the army when, uh, said that this is what he has. Yeah. When he got, uh, d- when discharged. he ha- discharged, went AWOL and like hitchhiked to his mom's house. Um, got it. So he then switched careers. Obviously he actually um, graduated from UCLA um, oh. school of fine arts. Oh, you know, nice. Trying to become an actor, I guess. And he studied film under Roman Polanski, who, if you remember, oh. has had his issues. Um, and I don't think he's been in this United States in like, what, 50 years now after his he's not allowed. crimes. Yeah, no, I mean, he'd be arrested if he stepped foot here. Um, yep. So, I mean, he's 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 a disgusting person. Also, he's had a tragic life on top of the rape accusations because his wife, Sharon Tate, was murdered by the Manson family. Yes. And, but I mean, why would he want to come back to, like, aside from how horrible he is, why would anyone want to come back to America? Yeah, I mean, he's not from here either. So, like, what does it matter? Well, yeah. Isn't he Swiss or something? I don't know. But, uh, no, Polish? I don't Uh, know. But 
um, America. I hear you googling that, but yeah, America's not doing so Polish great French. right now. I was right. Yeah, um, yeah, but um, yeah, that's why I'm thankful to live in New York City, where you're kind of you escape yeah. from a, a lot of it. Um, it's not, yeah, New York City is not really America. Yeah, it is. Um, but well, yeah. <laughs> so he commits his first crime, known crime. In 1968, he lures an eight-year-old girl, oh. uh, Tally Shapiro, into his apartment where he raped her and beat her. <gasps> and she lived. Oh, my which is God. Crazy. Um, so that's how we know it's his first known, because she lived. Um, she actually comes up later, um, okay. which, is, which is crazy. So after that, I believe he, um, he fled to New York and changed his name and enrolled in NYU's film school. How old is he at this John time? Berger, uh, this he is, he's like 26 or 27. He's, he's in his late 20s. Um, yeah. Rapes an eight-year-old child. Yeah. He, well, he raped the eight-year-old, I guess, when he was 25. And then a couple years later, he Moves resurfaces New in New York. But he's on FBI's, uh, I think, top 10 wanted list. He's got big uh, dreams for Broadway. Yeah. And so um, actually... I guess there was a, in 1971, there was a flight attendant who was raped in her Manhattan apartment. Um, And I think it's kind of been tied back to him like 40 years later. But at the time, like, you know, nobody, uh, I don't think they uh, had him for any of that stuff. Um, So what is crazy is um, I guess two children were attending an arts camp that he was working at or they noticed his photo and obviously if he was doing film and stuff, he probably like worked at those camps Mm -hmm. Um, and they actually arrested him and brought him back to California. Um, And so Shapiro's parents, they moved to Mexico after the attack and they did not want her to testify at his trial so they could not convict him of rape or attempted murder. He pled guilty to like assault, which was like a year or two in jail um, because oh. they obviously didn't have any. They didn't. It's the 70s. They didn't really have evidence or witnesses. So like, how are they going to get him on this if the person's not going to talk? And at this point, she's like probably what, 11 or something. She's. Like yeah, she would be like 11 or 12 and she's living in Mexico. Mexico. So she's going to come back. Um, I mean could have stopped him forever yeah so he gets paroled in 1974 and um again two months later he assaults a 13 year old bully um she thought he would drive her to school and he assaulted her but he got paroled in two years um after he assaulted julie he gets paroled again in two years yes so cool yeah, and I mean, just and there's there's black men in prison for nonviolent uh, drug charges right now. Right, you know, you you sell a little marijuana for and, life. Yes, and this guy is a, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Must yeah, you know, oh, pays to be a white man. Um, oh God. So he. So this is kind of where it gets a little. Um, it, it, the story kind of gets a little crazy. So I guess he then he kills. A 23-year-old girl who's the daughter of a popular Hollywood nightclub, uh, Ciro's. I don't know if that's still a thing. Um, mm, I don't know. But 
he was actually the goddaughter of Dean Martin and Sammy Davis Jr. So, um, yeah. But I don't think... Gary. I... <laughs> He's dreaming. Aw. I don't think... Again, I don't think we knew that he did these killings at the time. Like, they right. later tra- traced it back to him. So he's basically living his life. Okay. Um, so what gets crazy is, in 1978, he goes on the dating game show, which I thought is just insane. You know, wow. he was Like, his face is all over, right? Right. Yeah, he was introduced as a successful photographer who got his start uh, in his father's darkroom at the age of 13. Um, and so what is crazy is first off, he won in, on the show, um, oh, God. but they asked him to describe himself. And in retrospect, this is completely creepy, but he said, I'm, a, I'm called the banana and I look good. And they asked him to be a little more descriptive. And he said, peel me. I don't know. It's just so creepy. Ooh, um, and that's all he said. Yeah, and so he was later picked by the girl, and, and he won. Um, and they actually interviewed some of the other contestants on the show. And the guy sitting next to him um, said that at one point backstage, he turned to him and said, like, I always get my woman. And he was like, that's creepy, but I guess whatever, we're on this you know, dating right. show, so I'm not going to really think you're a, a murderer or an, a rapist. But yeah, so what happens next is kind of crazy because – a 12-year-old girl, um, Robin, is found missing from Huntington Beach, California. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, there was like a witness who saw someone like dumping a body or, or stuff. Um, but he's caught and he's arrested um, like a month later and he's convicted and sentenced to death. Mm-hmm. However, the verdict is overturned. Because the jurors were improperly informed of his prior sex crimes. So he was not given a fair trial. Um, Okay. Which, I guess, he's then retried in 1986. And it's thrown out again after he's convicted to death. Because, I guess, a witness... um, (laughs) I, I guess a witness wasn't allowed to speak on his behalf. Um, but the witness said that the police was hip. The park ranger who found the body was hypnotized by police investigators, which is just bizarre in itself. I don't know why that person would even, if you're saying that they were hypnotized, you probably should not be allowed to speak on anyone's behalf. Yeah. Um, at, at that point. Um, so he basically gets off again on that. And so now in 2003, um, I guess there's a new state law that is passed in California mm-hmm. um, where they can, I guess, they were able to now use his semen left behind on two women. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was basically charged for these women. Um, and so they also were able to find his DNA on four other dead bodies um, oh my in, this, God. In, this, in the 70s. Um, but so the thing about him was like, one girl's 18, the other girl's 31, the other girl's 27, 21, oh. you know, as- One girl's as you know, eight, like, one girl's 13. Right, as you know, with most of these things, usually like you have a pattern, but this guy's yeah. kind of all over the place, which probably 
um, especially with the lack of DNA and the lack Made of like, harder computer to technology. Him. Yeah. Um, so I guess in 2003, he then is charged again and he decides to be his own attorney. So there's a lot of like Ted Classic. Bundy type vibes, you yep. know? Um, and so I guess he, this is bizarre. He in, started asking himself questions in a deeper <laughs> voice and then <laughs> answering them in his normal voice. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Imagine yeah. witnessing that and you're, you're on the jury and you're, you're like, like, this motherfucker's guilty and crazy and, and everything. Like, we can't let this guy back out. So during, I guess during closing arguments too, he played, um, I don't know who, do you know who Arlo Guthrie is, a folk singer? No. So I guess the folk singer had a song, a famous song called Alice's Restaurant. And in this song, um, the person talks about wanting to kill. And I guess he tried to say that that song made him kill, which uh, I was completely thrown out. But during also the closing statements and witnesses, Tally Shapiro, they you remember, from the beginning. came back. She would have been in her 30s or 40s now. And she testified against him. Oh, my God. And so he was found guilty on five counts of first-degree murder. And in March um, 2010, he was sentenced to death for a third time. He's, he's still alive and, and kicking. But um, they've later kind of got him on uh, a case in New York, which I think was the, the flight attendants that he then later, I think, pleaded guilty to because what's the point? Like you already have these other murders and right. like they've now had like a bunch of different um, cases in like Seattle and New York or, or the state of Washington that he's basically been, he's admitted. Um, and then I guess on, on one of the cases he, didn't go to stand trial because he said he was too ill um, for a body in Wyoming in 1977, uh, a 28-year-old girl whose body was found, I guess, five years later. And then with DNA, they couldn't identify her for 23 years. So, oh, like, God. yeah, at that point, like, it's, you know, whatever family she has left. Um, but, yeah, so this guy is still alive um, and he is now 77 um, I don't, does, does California even have the death penalty? I don't, no. I don't know. Um, yeah, so I don't think he's going to um, die, even though he's been sentenced to death. Um, yeah, I, I mean, don't he'll, think. He'll Cal- die, but. Yeah, I mean, I think California is like the leader of all of the um, liberal uh, movements. And then New York follows or vice versa. It's always New York or California. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously there wasn't many, um, there's not that many uh, death sentencings in this country anymore outside of the fact that Trump, Trump went on, on his spree. way out yep. just killed like eight people or sentenced eight people to death just for the hell of it I guess um, he so is... sociopaths do sociopathic things um, but yeah uh, so the other thing I thought like I mean about this guy is just the, the fact that he went on the dating game is just and that's why so they call creepy. him the, the dating the game dating game killer. killer. Yeah. Did and, he go and... out on the date with the girl that he won the? Um, he must have. I don't think so. Um, so a, a profiler said that he had at least killed three women um, after the dating game appearance. After he thinks that they rejected him, so they think that's kind of what like sparked him to kill. Um, 
which is just, you know, like, Hey, we've all been rejected. Yeah. Yeah. It was funny. I was actually, I was talking to Alex, I think yesterday and I told her that I missed going out on first dates. Um, What do you? Well, I mean, I'm happy with her, but like, I miss it from like, yeah, what's what's her reaction to that? You tell your girlfriend, I miss going out on first dates and she's like, okay. So like, okay, I'll just go fuck myself or something. Um, Yeah. I mean, aren't you moving in together? Yeah, no, but I mean, in the sense that, well, it's funny because like, I was, I was talking to Alex about this, like we, obviously we met um, last February and then the whole country shut down in March. So like, we only went out on like two to three actual dates if that makes sense and maybe now we've only gone out on like five total dates if that makes sense like most of the time we're just sitting in her apartment or you know like stuff yeah yeah so like um no first dates was always one of my better I guess skills in life um to to get a second date I I I was thinking about this I think um if date with somebody 90% of the time I would but then if I wanted to get a third date with somebody, maybe 4% of the time I would. I so mean, something... <laughs> that's like everyone, John. That's me as well. Yeah, I don't know. I, I For me, I think it's because like uh, probably the second date, they're like, okay, this person's like this all the time. He's too much for me. Um, Who knows? You're never going to know, uh, you know, and, and it's the same with me. You You just can't sit around and beat yourself up and wonder. But you know what? Why don't you just keep taking Alex out on some dates and pretend that they're all first dates and you can just like meet her. Uh, why don't you go? Have you been to the Frick? No, nah, I don't know what that is. I'm okay. terrible with <laughs> restaurants. It's not so. a restaurant, John. It's, it's a, a, oh, it's an art museum, right? On Madison? Yeah. Yeah, it, it has a lot of contemporary gatherings, right? <laughs> Look at you. Why don't you just tell Alex, just pick a day and be like, meet me at the Frick at, you know, 2 p.m. on next Saturday and you can meet her there and pretend like it's a date and then take her to lunch or brunch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess, I mean, a lot of things is like I'm waiting to obviously I'm fully vaccinated <laughs> to do stuff again. And uh-huh. so that's kind of, that's kind of why we haven't really gone anywhere. I mean, um, just wear your mask and go in. Nothing. There's no museums opening here until May 17th or 19th, I think. Really? Yeah. And nobody's vaccinated here. So we're all just going to just go and cross our fingers. Yeah. Um, and wear no, masks. I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, I wear a mask. I, I wear double masks when I go out now. Um, so, you know, people probably hate me, but whatever. I mean, they hate you for other reasons, too, not just probably that. my hair. People don't like redheaded men. Well, you got to get out of that mindset. And it's, again, not true. And. <laughs> you have a girlfriend that you're moving in with so uh i'm sure she doesn't want to keep hearing you say that either uh she just will roll her eyes and be like i don't want to hear your pity party and walk away (laughs) which is not great because i need someone to listen to it nope it's not gonna be me either (laughs) and yep the only person that you got for that i think is mom and even then she's just like please stop no, mom is more like, what? How could someone not like you? <laughs> See, yeah. I don't think, does, nobody gives a shit about that anymore, Jonathan. The Seinfeld reference? No, no. Nobody gives a shit about what color hair anyone has or someone bald oh. or this or that. Like, no one cares. I mean, I haven't got a haircut since last September or August, so I don't really care either. <laughs> I, I thought I you mean, were saying the, how could anybody not, not like you reference? Because I love doing, I love saying that. <laughs> oh, yeah, no also but 
Okay, so the, the game show killer, he's he that he's a serial killer. Yes. What's his name? Rodney. Rodney Alcala. Alcala. I believe it's pronounced. Okay. Um, but yeah, so he's just currently chilling in jail for the rest of his life. Um, and I guess uh, he actually was like a photographer, I guess. Because um, I guess he took um, pictures of mm-hmm. people. Um, That's what a photographer does. <laughs> sorry, I mean, uh, like his victims <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so I guess that it, it says here in like 2010, uh, Huntington Beach and New York City police uh, released 120 of his photos to try to identify people. Oh. Um, and I guess 21 people came forward to identify themselves. Um, and at least six themselves. families. Oh my yeah. God, like survivors. Yeah. And at least six families came forward to say that they recognized that it was a loved one who disappeared oh, and was never found. No. Yeah. So like the true extent of um, this guy's crimes are, uh, you know, we don't know uh, because right. of everybody coming forward, only one body was ever found. And that was the Wyoming case that I talked about a little before where he was too uh ill to attend the trial but (laughs) yeah so like he has at least seven kills and uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he had probably close to the 20s or 30s just because like you know like if if he's if we there's like no bodies on him in the 80s or 90s you know it's really only the 70s that they have bodies for so what's the odds that he stopped you know yeah. killing yeah usually uh, they don't stop until good. they're until they're caught or yeah. until they're killed yeah or, and i or guess unless they're sick or something yeah and i guess um <laughs> i guess he also wrote a book in the 90s um about the first girl that he the girl that uh he kept getting off because of the jurors knowing that he had killed before or whatever um, so he wrote a book that was also published. Um, Who the I guess fuck also... would publish his book? Uh, it, these people publish all these people's books, and then you know that's like... true. Didn't John Wayne Gacy do a book? And then I think in one of my previous episodes, there was a one of the killers uh, got a book published. It was UK killer, I think I did, and like people were really upset about it. Really? Yeah, yes. because they're making money. They're probably well, yeah, I mean the people that they've killed. Yeah, I mean, all that money should go to the victims' families if if you're going to be able to get away with creating a book on yeah. everything you've done. So gross. Uh, yeah, and I guess Rodney uh, has sued California a couple of times. I don't think he's won. Um, For what? Uh, he sued them because I guess he once slipped and fell in jail, and then also because they won't <laughs> give him a low-fat diet or something like that. So he's. I mean, uh... <laughs> honestly, they you know what, nobody's going to get rehabilitated if they're not treated like a person. Correct, but uh, this, 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 guy, this guy's not getting out. Um, no, he's not getting out. I mean, they should be really focusing on people who do, like, low-level crimes, the youth, Yes, oh, 100% agree. Non-violent criminals, even, like, people who have done non-violent robberies or this or that, they mm-hmm. should be focusing on, treat, on treating them like humans and not, like, you know, cattle. Um, well, that's that's um how Alex got Joey. He he was a runaway dog, runaway dog. What's that called? He was a stray. I don't want to say that. <laughs> he's a runaway dog. <laughs> oh, he's a good boy. But uh, so he was put in a program where in Florida, 
low-level prison offenders take care of dogs and like rehabilitate them oh. and i thought that was such a great idea so you know like joey was in prison in florida yeah joey was and alex's mom's three dogs were all prison dogs that were rehabilitated by this prison um and then they send them to homes and obviously they, like they're well trained like joey's scared of noises and stuff um, right i mean that like, must he's, be... sorry go ahead yeah He's well trained, and yeah, it's like it must be really fulfilling for the people in jail too. To you know, like yeah. you're helping society too. You're not just like thrown in there as like, you know, like do your three years, and then we're gonna yeah. set you up for failure, and then wonder why you're back in here. In well, but also it must be really sad to say goodbye to the to the dogs as well. Oh yeah, for Surely sure. They got really. I'm sure they get really attached to the dog. I can't I think... believe Florida, out of all states, has that because they're. <laughs> The They're the most backwards state. Yeah, I think I, I think Joey was like top of his class too. <laughs> but doesn't he be pee in the house? Uh, he does, but it's more he got screwed up from uh, the pandemic. Uh, <laughs> Didn't we all, Joey? Yeah, so we don't blame him. He's he's actually a lot better now too. He doesn't really pee in the house. He only pee. He gets separation anxiety since we're yeah. here all the time. So that's the only time right. he pee in the house, and it's like immediately when we leave the apartment too. Um, okay yes and then so it's not too bad and i forgive him every time which alex gets upset on me because i immediately come in and tell him it's okay (laughs) it's i know you think listen to your girlfriend Uh, he's just you can't get mad at him he's he's an angel i know (laughs) well um that was a great story yeah um what are you and alex doing the rest of the day it's only like one o'clock there um we really have nothing planned uh it's kind of it's a little cold out today not cold it's in the 60s and it's raining so is that like your weather oh it's raining Uh, it's not raining but it looks like it's gonna rain and i think it rained some this morning i just woke up like 20 minutes before we started talking um (laughs) why don't you go go see a movie are the movies open i think they're open like 10 percent capacity um uh no maybe we're watching a movie we i I enjoyed Promising Young Woman. Oh my god, it was great. Ah, uh, yeah, I loved it. Um, the acting was good, and I and I read too that like, you know, like they purposely the guys they casted were purposely guys who were known as like good guys in previous films and stuff, and which is which is smart to do. Yeah, um, they they are all were, and they were all great, and it's so, such a dark, it was such dark humor. Oh, um, extreme dark. And like, do you know who the voice of her father was in the in the movie? Uh, what do you mean the voice? You mean the the actual actor? Because yes, he he plays a voice actor, a famous voice. Oh, I don't know, <laughs> Mr. Krabs from SpongeBob. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, so... SpongeBob, me money. Exactly. He's also he was also in Shawshank Redemption. If you ever saw that, he was. Of course, the, I did. He's the lead prison guard. Oh, he's the bad guy. Yeah. Oh, I felt so bad for the parents in the film. Oh, it was just so the, watching films like that and doing this podcast make me not want to have children. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of Criminal Minds. Do you remember that? I never really watched it. It's so insane. It's right? it's really it's 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 like this the really it's like a you know sitcom where not a sitcom but like it's like, it's like the same crack. right. But like you watch it and like they're just like casually be like. The profile is the victim likes to eat people's legs and like shit like that. And you watch it and you're like binge watching it and you're like, huh, good for him. Like, I wonder if they'll catch him. And like, yeah. but it's just like, it's the craziest shit. But like, you literally just tune it out and like, you wonder why, like, 
why am I feeling sad? It's like, oh, I just watched six hours in a row of these people being tortured. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've never gotten into that one. It's on uh, Netflix, so that's why I've just been putting it on because I, I don't have a new show to watch right now, so I just kind of I'm watching Made in Chelsea. I don't... Um, yeah, you don't know what that is because it's a um, reality, like kind of like a scripted reality TV series of these really rich kids in Chelsea, which is a neighborhood in um, Our native London. son, Christian, is playing there right now. What? Christian Pulisic, maybe USA's best soccer player, plays for Chelsea. Okay, cool, cool, (laughs) cool. Yeah, and Chelsea would be equal to, like, um, probably, like, the Upper East Side. Oh, nice. So, yeah, it's, like, rich kid, uh, you know, um, private school uh, reality TV, and it's great, great TV. Have you... Um, seen the circle? I saw one episode of it, and it was freaked me out. They don't have windows in their room; like it's just. Are you watching the British version or the American? Uh, I don't. I think I watched one episode of the American version. I couldn't do it. So Mike and I have been watching the American version, and the characters on there are so <laughs> annoying. They literally scream nonstop because I guess they're told to read the thing. But yeah, I don't uh, like we're, it. we're too far into cancel now. Um, but it's they, just they don't have any interaction with real people, so that's why Correct. I don't like it. They're talking I... through a screen, and well, the thing is, like, four of the eight people are catfishes, so like, it's yeah. amusing to watch them be like, you know, I really can trust this guy because I know who he says he is, and it's played by like a thirty-three-year-old woman. <laughs> so like, <laughs> that part right. is just amusing to me. I don't know. It's I'd rather watch Ninety Day Fiance. Uh, I've never gotten into that. Ask Michael. Michael's very into it. Is that Big Ed? Yes, it is. I know the, I know the like the the memes, the memes <laughs> but I don't know if they got. Yeah. You should watch the show so that you can understand uh, the memes. Yeah, where they come from. Um, well, you guys should watch watch some movies today or watch some uh, Ninety Day Fiance. I need to finish doing the bibliographies of two of my papers, which are due tomorrow. So oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, so that's what <laughs> that's what I'm gonna get get onto, and I will. Uh, edit this and i'm gonna upload this tomorrow yay my podcast debut yeah exactly (laughs) um all right well i'll let you i'll let you go okay and thanks for telling us this story john okay (laughs) (laughs) okay all right (laughs) okay um talk to you in the family group chat yeah, I think mom's going to FaceTime us in five minutes, so I'll see you then. <laughs> okay, see you in five minutes. <laughs> All right. All right, love you. Love you too. Bye. Bye.